Today on the podcast, we have Jamie Smith, who is a graduate assistant for the University of Rhode Island women's volleyball team. She played volleyball and studied business at Iona College in New York and came to Rhode Island to play her fifth year, where she's also pursuing her MBA. We talk about dealing with adversity, the transition from being a college athlete to the workforce, figuring out the recruiting process, qualities of good leaders, doing deep Wikipedia dives while watching movies, and much, much more. So stay tuned. Welcome. Welcome to the pod. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, we've been talking about doing this for a long time, and uh, and we're finally at it. We finally yeah. were able to clear up some time. And <laughs> yeah, we were schedules. able to free our schedules. Um, so describe a little bit about, like, how we met our like roommate friendship dynamics i feel like i haven't known you that long but i feel like we we were very similar in a lot of ways yeah i mean we've what known each other for like seven months yeah something like that yeah so i think i mean with us things just kind of happen coincidentally so obviously i transferred into uri for my fifth year playing volleyball and uh I needed someone to live with for the fall, and and then when I was just out of pure necessity, just out of I. pure necessity, and uh, yeah, thank shout out to the just that situation. I mean, we were kind of shout put, out to the situation. <laughs> shout out to Mike the situation. <laughs> we were just kind of put. I mean, you needed a roommate, and I was lucky enough that uh, that you did because I mean, if I would have lived by myself, I don't know what I would have done. Yeah. I mean, and then our friendship just kind of blossomed from there. I feel like we're pretty similar and we have similar values and beliefs so I think that kind of facilitated that whole process and honestly I feel like you're one of those people who I I feel like I've known for a long time which is funny but um but yeah and now we're here yeah I think it's so funny like our little routine we always joke about like how because both of our bedrooms are upstairs and like right across from each other and like we have these little nighttime hallway convos (laughs) or like yes doorway conversations (laughs) Or, like, one of us will just be like, you want a bull? Yeah. <laughs> and then we just, like, sit on the couch and shoot the shit. But, um, but yeah, like, I, uh, it's so funny because I feel like once a month, like, we'll kind of be in our own routines. And then, like, every so often it'll be, like, <laughs> you'll find your way into my room and we'll watch something on, like, Netflix. Just, like, yeah. a random, like. Yeah, some, like, documentary. Yeah, or, Tinder Swindler. Yeah, or um, Kanye documentary. <laughs> Kanye, just Kanye, just the the classics, and that's yeah. when Kanye <laughs> went back to Chicago. But yeah, no good times, good times. We've been really into the um the animals one. Oh yeah, yeah, we got to start that back up. Yeah, we learned so much good. about bears. So many things. You had a random fact that you oh just dished gosh, out. I literally can't remember. It was we still can't recall fact. what it was. Oh, that's the worst. It, it was it was a good one though. I remember being you go being shocked. <laughs> I just remember saying this fact, and then you looked at me for like there was like an extensive pause, and you just go, "How do you know that?" <laughs> and I was like, "I don't know. I feel like I watch a lot of Jeopardy." Gabby's full of fun facts. I am You're, full of fun. You facts. are full of fun facts. I feel like you remind me of my dad sometimes <laughs> in that sense because my dad knows a lot of random facts and you'll just whip them out out of nowhere yeah i'll be like did you know that uh good trivia trivia player yeah i I try um one of the funniest things you've told me i love this story about your dad about because he was a phys ed teacher for a lot of years and you talk about his uh 
his attire his uh oh my gosh the the track suits the rotation patty smith <laughs> my my dad my dad is one of a kind he's just very low maintenance and not really into materialistic things and yeah so <laughs> he had the tracksuit rotation he probably owns like 20 different tracksuits and he would just rotate through them on a on a daily basis when he had to go in person to teach and he it's just so funny because he's so proud of it he just loves that he loves yeah. his his attire it's just so funny and and yeah so he's just very very old school in that way yeah creature of habit oh yeah would you consider yourself a creature of habit I think so I think I mean I love I love routine and I love being on a schedule uh, I think that's kind of one of my flaws sometimes because I love when plans happen as they're <laughs> supposed to so that's a very niche uh yeah. niche thing. I love when plans happen yeah, yeah I mean I, I love things just go according to schedule yeah I think I think it's it's tough sometimes when you have to just I, I'm one of those people where I can I'm I, I've gotten better at going with the flow I will say yeah but a few years ago if you were to ask me that I I did not like going with the flow I just <laughs> needed I needed control of the situation per se but um but yeah I mean I think I would say I'm a creature of habit yeah I had a, like one of my high school English teachers speak of the devil genius a Kanye trilogy <laughs> popping up on our on our Netflix um but yeah one of my high school English teachers was I feel like he would I mean he was a great teacher but like you know the like dead poet society like I feel like that's like every English teacher's dream is to be like Robin Williams so like you know there would always be these like really big like I don't know um thought-provoking moments or whatever and he would bring up this Bruce Lee quote the like be like water Mm -hmm. and so yeah I mean I think it's such a skill to just be able to, like, exercise control in your life, but also have that, like, adaptability, because then you're, like, invincible. It's, like, anything and everything can happen externally, and then you're just still you. You're still secure. You're still, like, in your own, in your own, uh, like, control. Exactly, and I think, I think a lot of people, and myself included, still sometimes, we struggle with that lack of control and also just we're reacting to things that are out of our control. And so, you know, just being able to recognize that, okay, like I, I can only control so much. So giving your energy and giving your emotion towards things you can't control, I just feel like is not beneficial to anybody. I mean, I catch myself sometimes still doing it, but I've definitely gotten better at just, just trying to, again, control what I can control and just recognize that, you know, some things just aren't going to go your way sometimes. Yeah. More often than not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's the other thing I think. Um, and that's because I look back at like high school, middle school, whatever, and just how little we had to worry about. Or like we were even talking about this the like some time ago, how at one point in my life, my biggest priority was just like making sure I didn't wear the same prom dress as somebody else. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know Facebook what I mean? Yeah. The Facebook group <laughs> chats. So it's like if if uh if life was that easy forever it'd probably be pretty boring like you know what i mean yeah, it's no, just exactly. such a such a uh um immature like i guess perspective a little bit but yeah no i think that that's one thing i'm really trying to exercise now is like 
being grateful for things that I wish didn't happen, like rejection is redirection, you know, all of that. And obviously it's easier said than done, but um, that's kind of like the whole point of this podcast too, is like taking adversity like as something greater and viewing things from a neutral perspective because I think that I was definitely guilty of, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but like letting the highs get really high and the lows getting really low. Yeah. And so – it's like if I had a great opportunity or some accolade or whatever, it was like I'm on top of the world. And then the second that I'm not feeling good, it's like everything sucks. I'm crashing down. Right. So trying to have that more neutral perspective. And I think that there's definitely um, you can gain a lot from being positive, but sometimes being positive, not only is it difficult, but it's also not always appropriate like for the right. circumstances, so like just feeling everything, looking at it from an objective standpoint and. Yeah, just trying to remain neutral. But I don't know if you you felt that way. Yeah, no, I definitely have. And actually, it's funny you mentioned not getting too high in the highs and low in the lows because my brother Brian, who I'm super close with, I'm I'm super close to my whole family, but I talk to Brian all the time. Just Brian. Just Brian. (laughs) No, I talk to Brian all the time, and he's really good at kind of, like, pulling me down from super high moments and then also, like, pulling me out of, like, super low moments. And – he says it all the time, like, you just, you can't get too high on the highs and low on the lows because each day is going to deal you a different, a different set of cards. I mean, you're going to be in different situations and obviously it doesn't mean don't enjoy the good moments right. or, you know, you're not allowed to be sad, but at the same time, it's just kind of recognizing that, you know, life is constantly changing and every day is going to be different. Like yeah. the sun will rise every yeah, day. So, it always does. And yeah. like, Nine times out of ten, when I've thought it was the end of the world, it was not even close. Oh, same. <laughs> like, 100%. the amount of times I'm, like, one of those deep, like, laying on the floor calling my mom cries, and then, like, two weeks later, I'm like, wow. Like, Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, that feels like a fever dream. Yeah. But um, it's so interesting, I feel like, how our brain almost, like, tricks us a little bit, because it's like you feel so out of control or you feel so like emotionally heavy and then it can just be like a flip of the switch moment where all of a sudden you feel better and so it's just interesting because it's like huh like it like it's all really temporary but in the moment it is so hard to convince yourself of that right because it's also not not knowing what's on the other side of it yeah are you gonna get through this and and we we all will I mean, we all will get through these things, and that's why it's so great having different resources and different people in your life who are there to support you, and I think that it's so easy to forget that sometimes. You're never in it alone. There's always somebody with you or somebody you can call or text, and yeah, because I agree. I think that there are some times where it's like, whoa, am I going to be able to get through this Mm -hmm. one? And then just, again, having that perspective of, you know, that things are going to get better, and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, but that's just, you know, it's just life, yeah. diversity. And it's like, I think it's hard because on one hand, you don't want to be in a mental space where you're inhibited and you can't pursue the things that you want to do. Definitely. But then it's also like, there's a reason that we get anxiety. Like, there's a reason, you know what I mean? Like, right. anxiety in the caveman times is what, like, kept you alive. Like, it kept you alert. So right, it's right, like, right. it's embedded in our DNA to have these feelings and these emotions and these state of states of mind and so I think this idea that we're supposed to be completely rid of 
this emotion or whatever it may be at all given times is not only is it unrealistic, but it's not healthy. Right. It's like you're supposed to feel a wave of emotions. Obviously, there are circumstances and times where you're maybe feeling them more than you should be or in situations where it's not appropriate. But um, I, I've kind of like grown into that a little bit of like, these are it's like embedded in our dna like this we're the recipients of this millennia long legacy like for better or for worse like it just has it is the way it is like you're you can't change your it's like cellular it's like molecular it's who you are yeah no that's that's so true and also my one of my best friends taylor she always says you know we're just electric meat sacks on a space rock yeah that's like my my friend annie used to always say we're just animals on a space rock yeah and um it was funny i saw some i don't know if it was a youtube video or tiktok this was like over a year ago now maybe two years ago i um saw this video that was like you're stressing about like everything that you need to do and like you're scheduling and you're overwhelmed and whatever it's like most animals don't know what tomorrow is like (laughs) they have no concept of like you know what I mean like they wake up they like eat they whatever they try to reproduce and then they go back to sleep like it's like they have such a you know day-to-day mindset obviously we're more like conscientious beings but um it's just interesting like how much pressure we put on ourselves sometimes yeah I think also too it's just worrying so much about the future and again those unknowns and I've heard a lot of people say, you know, like, be where your feet are. And I really like that just because I catch myself sometimes just worrying about what's my next move, you know, how am I going to grow versus just focusing on, you know, where where am I right now? Like, where am I at in my life? Yeah. Am I appreciating, you know, just existing and just being able to go about my day because some people aren't able to do that. And, you know, having that perspective that I have so many things that, you know, people around the world – might be you know dying for you know right. like they would love to have the things that I have and experience the experiences that I'm experiencing so yeah having that perspective of you know being grateful for the little things and just appreciating where you're at I, that's something that I'm I'm not you know I'm not an expert at but I'm definitely right. trying to but who it like better. literally yeah who is an expert at anything right at this point um but yeah, I feel that way. I also saw something that was like happiness can only exist in the present. Like it does not exist anywhere else. Yeah. Because it's like if you're reminiscing on something, it's going to be tainted with your current reality and your current point of view wherever you're at. And if you're thinking about the future, it hasn't even happened yet. So it's like you can't be happy about something in the future. So it literally only exists exactly where you are. Which right. is like, when you think about it that way, it's like, in order to be happy, I have to be exactly where I am. I can't be anywhere else. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. Deep combo. Well, that's what the podcast is all about. <laughs> I mean. But, uh, but yeah, so what have you been into lately? Like, what's your routine? You did your fifth year at URI, like your, your final season, and now you're kind of transformed into a little bit of a different role what's like your daily routine what are you what are you on right now yeah so now I'm obviously you know the grad assistant for the volleyball team so honestly routine really hasn't changed much since the fall but I get up pretty early during the week uh 5 a.m wake up and go to practice uh help out however I can set up nets uh help out with with coaching and just being at practice with you guys, which 
which I love because I mean, you know me, I, I'm such a volleyball nerd. I just love being around sports and being around you guys. So that's been super easy um, in the transition. So yeah, we have practice and then usually I'm hanging around on campus in the office, just trying to get some work done and then I mean we have night class for for grad school in Providence a couple times a week so make our way out there and then usually I mean depending upon the day I I like to go to bed early now (laughs) that's one thing that's definitely changed about me uh since undergrad is I (laughs) try to go to bed by 10 usually well you have to I'm like especially if you know you're getting up at even five six like a.m it's you're you have to go to bed early like there's just no way yeah. that you can sustain my mom used to always say because in high school I would procrastinate everything and I would be up to like early hours in the morning doing homework waking up at six going to school practice like just all over the place and she goes you're burning the candle at both ends like yeah you're gonna crash and I would I would like get really sick like out of nowhere like final exam week and it's just like the most brutal thing and you're just trying to navigate it but yeah what do you think has been the toughest part for you um coming from you you played volleyball at Iona for four years you had was it your sophomore year when you won the conference yes sophomore year. so you you won a conference championship went to NCAAs had like a really close team dynamic and then um decided to do your fifth year somewhere else what was that decision process like for you and how difficult or um like how challenging was that change yeah, I think for me, that decision definitely took me a while to, to make. Uh, I definitely, that was, I'm trying to think times here, last year, yeah, last fall, not this past fall, but the fall before that, um, I just, that was my senior year, and that was when they canceled the season in the yeah. fall because of COVID, and I just realized that I wasn't happy um where I was at and it's not that I didn't love Iona because I I do love Iona and I love the people there and and it's great because I've developed so many friendships and relationships where I still talk to those people all the time I talk to my teammates I talk to former staff there my old athletic trainer so I just recognized that I had a unique opportunity with being able to do my fifth year somewhere else and I was always curious like how can I, you know, how can I grow more as a person and just kind of develop? And I just felt like, I just felt like it was time for a change. And I, anyone who knows me knows that I hate change. I absolutely hate change. And it's you so like, you like a plan to go <laughs> from start to finish yeah. as it was written. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, it, it was something that actually scared me making that decision to go somewhere else, but I knew it was necessary for, for me to grow as a person and to, kind of take a leap of faith per se um and just to see what else was out there so I decided um fall of that was fall of 2020 that I was kind of you know gonna look elsewhere for for academics um I wanted to (coughs) get my MBA your excuse (laughs) I wanted to uh get my MBA because I knew career-wise I want to be a college athletic director one day yeah and so I knew that I wanted to do that. So I was just looking at different programs. And uh, I actually applied to seven different grad programs uh, during that time. And 
it was just super stressful because I again I was like what am I doing am yeah. I am I making the right choice and again I, I think going back to having great people around you I had so many people around me who were just so supportive of my decision even people at Iona who were just so great so I kind of just yeah I entered my name in the transfer <laughs> portal and was that a scary moment I? like the transfer portal because I feel like it's I mean I yeah have never entered it obviously but um I feel like it's so like mystical like if you don't like know what it is like if you haven't experienced it it's just kind of like this like even the term portal is like so it's like this abyss like right what what even what was that process like I didn't even know what I mean I knew what the transfer portal was but I didn't know it was the format or whatever it's yeah I mean it's basically just a website and all the transfers are listed it's like MySpace but for yeah pretty much (laughs) college athletes um but yeah, I mean, that was definitely something I had to consider was, you know, w- would it be worth it to go into the portal? And because there's no guarantees you're going to get picked up by and another school. I don't know if this is just a volleyball thing, but I mean, I was always told, like, once you say the T word, like, you're leaving. Yeah. Like, you can't be like, okay, I'm going to go in the transfer portal. And like, if it doesn't work out, like, I'll be back next year. It's yeah. like, it that was always like, I mean, at least from what I had heard, like, kind of frowned upon. So it's kind of like once you do that, you're, you're committed. You're yeah. In. It's interesting too, because I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, every coach is different sure. because ultimately it's the coach's decision, whether, you know, if you enter the transfer portal, if, if they want to take you back, yeah. let's say if like you decide not to transfer. Um, but again, I had really great relationships um, with the staff there. So fortunately for me, I, I did have the option to stay yeah. if I wanted to, um, but, yeah, I just ended up going into the portal. And it's so weird because, I mean, you really have to put in the work. I mean, you got to. It's like recruiting all over again. It is, yeah. So sending emails and just reaching out and expressing interest in, in different schools. And, yeah, luckily I stumbled upon URI. Yeah. And uh, it ended up working out. Yeah, that whole process, though, I, I think just not knowing where I was going to end up was extremely stressful for me at the time because again if you were to ask me a year and a half ago where I was going to be right now I, I would tell you oh I was be working a job an entry-level job in in college athletics and there's no way I would have said I would, would be here with you in Rhode yeah. Island yeah <laughs> no it's so funny just how life kind of just takes you places you never would have thought I remember when like I was getting recruited and visiting different schools and then I finally committed to Rhode Island and like I told people and they were like, what, what's like, I've never heard of that, like University of Rhode Island. But then you come out here and it's like, everybody knows URI, like everybody yeah. in New England knows what URI is. So it's so interesting just how perspective drives so much of like our reality. And yeah, I mean, I'm so glad that I came out here and experienced everything that I did, like good, good, bad or indifferent. Yeah. I feel like I'm... In like even just reminiscing on like memories from freshman year with like the team and whatnot and I'm like oh yeah like I just wouldn't change anything like I just yep. feel like it's made me into the most evolved version of myself and I'm so glad that anybody who meets me at this point moving forward gets this version of me because it's like I know that I'm better for it and yeah it's just interesting like Preach. how, how uh, life pushes you in, in many different directions it's the best teacher yeah well, that's, that's the thing is, 
if you're, I mean, my senior year of high school, that's when I committed to Iona. And when I committed, I had no concept of the climate of college athletics and just yeah. how quickly people come and go and coaches change and athletic trainers. And throughout my college career, I had four, four coaching changes pretty much. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Four. So it was kind of, it was so interesting because at first I was like, oh, there's no way. I mean, I'm, I'm going to a school and that it's going to be like this the entire time. That, I was so naive in the same way where I was like, well, when I committed the coach, I committed to, um, the day of my visit, it, the PR thing had just come out that he was announced as the new head coach because he was the assistant and the old head coach was retiring. So I was like, great. Like the guy that recruiting me is about to sign this new contract. Like this is going to be great. So yeah. It's like a, like a security blanket for me a little bit. Like at least I know that I'm wanted here and whatnot. Because my brother had a situation where when he was recruited to Illinois, the assistant coach that recruited him ended up becoming the head coach somewhere else. Right. So when he got there, it was kind of like, uh, like this isn't really like not like it wasn't what he thought it was, but um, he just didn't have that like relationship foundation. So stoked about that. Um, yeah. And then I come in and it's like three head coaching changes in three years, like. I've had probably, I think, five different strength coaches, three different academic advisors, at least three different trainers. And so you just think that it's going to be one thing and then it just completely smacks you in the face and it's something completely different. But, um, yeah, change is like that was probably the biggest shock to me was how not how disposable people are, but just how competitive it is. Like, yeah, how if you're not doing a job like it's a business like they will find somebody else who will or find somebody who will do it at a different level or whatever whatever it may be right and and also those people obviously have families right. and their own things to take care of so they're making those the best decision for them which ultimately that's you know all anyone can do is make the best decision for them so it's definitely interesting and and it's so funny because I Again, with with all the changes, I wouldn't I wouldn't change one thing. No, I just I think in the moment you're like, you've got to be kidding me. And then right. it's like you find a way. Yeah. the I think all those experiences were necessary because I totally agree with you. I'm the person who I am today because of having gone through all of it. Mm -hmm. 100%. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of like uh, something to talk about in therapy, like worst case scenario. Definitely. Um, <laughs> have you. Uh, I'm trying to think what was your like because I, I mean I remember when I was getting recruited like reaching out to big schools that I knew that I probably wasn't gonna be able to play at um or at least get a scholarship for what was like did you send any like emails to some like really like huge huge places oh yeah I <laughs> it's so funny because I my recruiting process was so interesting just because I really wasn't being recruited. I yeah. didn't have many options. I think when I committed, it was between Iona and uh, a D2 school, which, so for me, I was just, I was just reaching stoked. out. Yeah. yeah, I was just stoked that somebody was interested in me and somebody wanted me, you know, to come play for them. And uh, yeah, my recruiting process, I emailed probably 75 schools and when I was a freshman in high school, I'll never forget my dream school was UNC. Yeah. I was like, I want to go there. I want to I want to play there. So, of course, I sent multiple emails there. And then one of my club coaches 
at the time who I still talk to today and she's one of the best coaches I've ever had was like all right let's be realistic you know kind of because I think that's so important obviously it's great to send emails to to those reach schools but you got to also have you know, realistic schools that you think you can play at. And when it's also like, what do you that? want out of it? Do you right. want to be a walk on and like get all the gear, but never yeah. play? Or do you want a, a full ride somewhere? What's more important to you? Are you, are, do you really value the education aspect? Cause I remember my freshman year we had, um, we did this like sports psych, um, kind of training where we, it wasn't like a personality test, but it, um, told us like our internal drivers our external drivers um, like it helped identify like what part what quadrant of your vision was the strongest you could like align yourself in the court a particular way or whatever and it was this um, woman who she was the former head coach of Columbia volleyball and she was talking about recruiting at Columbia because like Ivy League schools don't have scholarships or athletic scholarships so that was you have to try to get really good people to come and be like it's expensive like it's a really expensive school but it's what do you value it's you're paying for columbia university on your diploma which like for a lot of people is like kind of priceless so it just depends on on what your goals are but yeah i uh that that was like something and that's so hard when you're 16 17 years old to try to figure out like you know what what's important to you at that point in time because maybe in your mind it's like I want to play at the biggest school I want to like right play for a national championship whatever and then you get there and you're like that's not all it's cut out to be or maybe you're the opposite maybe you're like I just want to have fun and then you go and you're like well no I want to compete I want to like win a conference championship or whatever it may be so it's just interesting how like values can waver and like as you grow up I think they change for everybody right and I think for me the, the biggest thing for me is I I grew up watching, you know, the Penn States, right. the UCLA's, the Stanford's, Texas. the Texas, and I I just always watched and I knew that I I wanted to play at the Division One level. That was that was one of my goals. But I also knew that, you know, if I ended up at any of the other levels, it would be just as great. Because yeah. I have the utmost respect for those levels too, because I think I think there's a place for everyone to play. I think there's, you know, different levels and people again have different priorities and values um so there's you know if somebody wants to play they're gonna find a place to play for sure but that's the other thing is and it's a huge accomplishment to play division one volleyball I mean I don't know what the percentage is but it's like Mm -hmm. something really small from high school to college but it's also like there's what over 300 division one schools or roughly around 300 so yeah there's like definitely I think that you know sometimes and there's nothing wrong with going d2 d3 naia like there there are great players that play at that level and there are also some d2 schools that can be our division programs. are essentially division one programs yeah. the way that they're and D3 coached too. and yeah right 100 percent. so yeah i think this like division one versus division two mm-hmm. is so interesting because sure like there is a obviously like power five conferences are like power five conferences for they're literally called the power five like yeah. that's such a like aggressive name yeah (laughs) so clearly like yes there is a level of play that is elevated at a certain point but if you're playing a college sport like you're playing a college sport yeah exactly and and for me I mean something that was important to me I'm I'm one of four children so I'm the youngest in my family and 
I wanted to, you know, receive a scholarship just because I wanted to help my parents out mm-hmm. too and, you know, kind of give back to them because they've given me so much growing up and giving me so many opportunities through through club. They put four kids through club. Yeah. I have three older brothers and they all played club and so so yeah, so that was something that was important to me. So I just remember I mean I didn't have a concept of money back right. back then. You know, I also don't realize how much time. Yeah. Like I think about my parents sitting in convention centers for like eight hours a day. Oh like yeah. All using their only free time on the weekend to take me to the middle of nowhere, Indiana. Right. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah, it's definitely it's definitely interesting and. My mom used to always joke, like, this is our vacation. We're, we're going to. You're like, Gas City, Indiana. Yeah, yeah, like, we would always go. It's literally a chicken coop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a big one for us was always uh, Richmond, Virginia. We'd mm. go for the boys' tournament, okay. Memorial Day weekend. And that would be the tournament that I would get dragged to. And I would love it. I would, yeah. I'd be like, can someone pepper with me in between games? Right. And, and all that. And so, yeah. So, I was that kid who was just constantly watching volleyball. And because my parents never pressured me into playing it, it was just kind of natural. Yeah, yeah, it was natural because I just was always around it. And and yeah, so I just kind of like fell in love with it. And that was always volleyball for me. I'm kind of going on a tangent here, but that's the whole point of a podcast, by the way. It's just (laughs) one big tangent. Yeah. Volleyball for me was always an escape um, and and a place where I felt comfortable because I was that awkward lanky middle school kid. i've seen the facebook pictures oh we don't have to talk about those. <laughs> yeah i was yeah i just was not really comfortable in my skin at that point in my life and but volleyball i just always knew i could compete i you know me i have such a competitive yeah nature and maybe to a fault sometimes but <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah so volleyball was just always there and just something that i felt good doing so i just knew that you know, the longer I could play and the longer I can pursue it, it was just going to be worth it. In yeah. The end. It's so interesting, too, because I mean, I'm sure you maybe can relate, but like you go to a tournament, maybe you don't have your best showing and then you got that car ride back and it's like, oh, my oh, gosh, yeah. I feel like With I do parents. not. The amount of times like I because I would have really great tournament moments, too, and my parents would be obviously very supportive and, you know, um, acknowledge my good moments. But oh if I had a bad serving day or defense was off whatever it was like that car ride home I just remember my parents being do you even want to play do you even (laughs) do you really want to because we don't have to do this every weekend if you're not about it and I was like oh my gosh like six hours left of this car ride from Kentucky (laughs) um but yeah that was like a serious conversation I had with my parents was like hey like there's no shame if you just want to do this for fun but then like we're not going to spend all this money and do all this traveling like you have to make a decision if you're really serious about it or not and you know luckily I did make that decision and I was like yeah no I want to do this I want to play in college I want to put the work in and um it's interesting because it's kind of nerve-wracking to like say you want to play division one volleyball when you're not because I was similar to you where I wasn't really getting like emails from everybody like yeah. you know what I mean like mm-hmm. I wasn't like some I don't know like, I wasn't a I wasn't five. on any list wasn't a power five. I wasn't on any yeah. of those lists <laughs> where it's like top 50 senior yep. aces yeah couldn't no, be me no. couldn't be me so um and I had like I mean within my state and my like region or whatever like I had some accolades like post senior year right. but like at that point I mean I was already committed and I was like too little too late yeah <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah but um but yeah, I just uh 
um, yeah, I, I, I had to kind of market myself and reach out. And I think that if I had to do it over again, I would reach out to more like high level mid major schools because yeah. I think that I was very much like more on the reach side of things, which is fine. But I really didn't have a concept of like there are really good volleyball teams at every level and you can play at like I mean, even if you look at the A10, for example, like. Dayton not only like if they win the conference tournament like then they go on to the NCAAs and they win like in NCAAs it's not like they're getting kicked out first round every single time yeah so I think that there's this misconception that it's like oh if you go to a smaller school and you get the automatic bid that you're going to go into the tournament and get your ass kicked but that's not necessarily the case like you can still compete at that level because I mean everyone's a division one volleyball player at the end of the day so right it's just I think that yeah, I would definitely just widen my options and not think, oh, I have to go big or like, you know, I'm settling. I think that there's a, there's a, an in-between. And I was wondering, because now that you're on the other side and you're on the recruiting side of things, like what is maybe your advice? Because you've not only went through it in high school, went through it with the transfer portal, and now you're from an administrative point of view, what would be like your biggest advice for um, like young players today or like what do you think are the biggest mistakes that you see people people making that's a good question I think I think what I respect about a lot of the club players now and and the young females out there is that it's hard especially with the transfer portal now and the COVID year that yeah. you know a lot of girls are staying for their fifth year and I and it's affecting you know those the younger, in high school and yeah. the younger girls coming up but for me, I think the big thing is just um, being an active participant in your process. So, because parents nowadays, we love our parents, but you know the recruiting Helicopter. process. Recruiting process is about you, and obviously, parents are a crucial part of it. But I think, you know, I I love when you know girls are sending emails, and you can just tell that, you know, they it's in their voice. It's in their voice, yeah, and they're just you know genuinely showing interest. But I think. I think my big advice is just reach out to as many schools as possible because you just never know like what what a team needs you know people are coming in and out and and different programs need different things and different players so I think yeah reach out to as many schools as possible and also don't get discouraged if you get turned away from a school it could be a multitude of reasons yeah it could be a multitude of reasons and also I I respect the schools that do you take the time to turn down uh, potential student athletes because, you know, that just shows that, you know, you respect that person and, you know, you're hoping for the best in their recruiting process. And, and as a recruit, then, you know, okay, like this, this school isn't it, but you know, maybe another door is going to open up somewhere else. Also, you never know what coach is going to leave and go somewhere else either. It's like, and I think from the opposite perspective is, responding to all the schools that reach out to you if you do regardless what level d2 d3 like be as like open and honest and make sure that you're being considerate of their time as well because like you never know who maybe they're a d2 assistant coach and then they go and become a power five assistant coach and now it's like you could you could have that connection or that in and you didn't even realize right and also but you you're going to end you might end up somewhere where you never even thought you were going right like I I had heard of Iona during my recruiting process because one of my teammates who I ended up playing with was two years older than me 
Um, her name's Amanda, and she ended up going there, and she was from Long Island. So she was kind of my only reference point about Iona, but I had never visited the school, never really considered an option. And then when I was reached out, when I was reached out to by the coach, um, my former coach, Pat, I was like, oh, like, you know, maybe I'll just see what this school's about and just go visit. And, and I'm so glad I did. And again, like going back to being open in the process, because as soon as I stepped on campus, I just felt, I felt like this was it. I got that feeling of, okay, I can see myself here. And, you know, regardless of volleyball, I could just see myself thriving here and, and being able to grow, you know, into that person who I want to be. And yeah, I'm just so glad that I did that because again, I just, I loved my experience at Iona. Like, yeah, there was, you know, there was obviously some, some, some moments that, you know, weren't so great, but I think, I think those moments are kind of necessary in, in the process of growing up and maturing. So, so yeah, so circling back to recruiting, I think just being, being open to, to going anywhere because again you really don't know yeah what you like and what you don't like until you go go visit and, and it's all about like. what you want too I mean yeah. it's like going back to the d1 d2 d3 thing like I mean my parents just moved to Tampa so I was um watching you Tampa volleyball they're d2 they just won a national championship like that's sick yeah like you know what I mean it, it's all about like what you want to accomplish and um honestly like I don't know if this is like an art imitates life or life imitates art kind of thing, but when you win, everybody's happy. Like, you know what I mean? It's like I've, there are obviously exceptions to the rule for sure, but I think that when you win as a team, you naturally create those memories and those bonds that help you relive whatever you had in a positive manner. I know that's how I felt about my high school experience. Like there were some like, pretty tough moments in in our like our high school career that we now look back and laugh at because we finished it on such a high note and now I have those friendships forever and I mean I think that maybe it's like the opposite is true where it's like you have those great bonds and that leads you to win or you win and then you have those great bonds I'm not sure exactly which way it works but um even talking to like my friend Derek last week about um him when he played at URI and they won two A10 championships and like how close their team was and it's like naturally when you're in that competitive successful environment you're gonna have great moments and great experiences yeah and also people don't see you know the hard work that it takes to get to that point yeah you know, people just see oh this team had a winning record they they won a championship and all the stuff that's in the public eye but you know what did it take to get there I think that's so huge and I know with Iona you know we won the championship my sophomore year but two years prior to that they had a losing season Mm -hmm. I remember I committed and I I don't remember exactly how many games they won but they they didn't do that great but I don't know I just trusted I trusted the coach and I trusted Pat and and that team and and it's so funny because well not funny but just kind of like a testament to how much you can really accomplish with with hard work and having buy-in from everybody because the second I stepped on campus my freshman year and showed up to the first practice I just knew we we had the right group we had the right group to do it because even though you know maybe skill-wise we weren't the best we we just were willing to outwork everybody and we had a chip on our shoulders and again not that many resources you know we didn't have the the glitz and glam and the the media days and you know a locker room that was 
really nice and that's not the not to say that those things aren't great if you have them but I think you know having work ethic and just a mentality yeah, ha- of like, having a better locker room doesn't make you a better team right and and so yeah so even again from recruiting standpoint you know yeah like if that's important to you that's that's great and that's totally fine but my thing was I want to be in a gym where I genuinely feel like everyone has my back and everyone's here because they just want to ball out mm-hmm. like at the end of the day you could play volleyball anywhere right you don't you don't need you know these fancy facilities and and all these things like and and so that's what I really loved was just you know our group was just so bought into the process and and knew it wasn't going to be easy but was willing to make sacrifices yeah so yeah I I think that's huge and like it's hard too because buy-in can mean different things for different people like maybe buy-in for you is like oh I'm gonna work so hard that I earn this starting position or whatever it may be or maybe it's you know I know that I'm probably not gonna play or like I'm a more of a utility player like maybe I don't have as secure of a role but I'm still gonna give my all either way and like whatever that means for you it's it's crazy because like it's not equal but it's fair you know what I mean like that's the hardest part about sports is it's like you can give your absolute all and devote everything and you know still not get all the glory or the shine from an outside perspective but all the people internally know that like you're the unsung hero yep and that's like those are the best people and I mean I think about like and there's been people like that during my tenure here like I look at somebody like my friend Meg who she was a DS she graduated last year she's now in grad school um but yeah just an incredible like person came in every day giving her all ready to work um walked onto the team spring of my freshman year and just immediately became like just everybody's like favorite person I mean just completely like um extremely likable extremely hardworking, like never complained just incredible person and I've had I've had played with people like that in high school too where it was like you know it's hard with defense too because it's like one person gets to be libero right, right. so it's yep. like you have all these defenders that are fighting for that spot but then it's like once you don't get it okay now what are you gonna do how are you gonna contribute what is your mentality like you know and yeah. so it's hard to um it's hard to deal with that, but I've been really fortunate that the people that I've been around have been um, really solid and consistent in their, like, pursuing of whatever we were trying to accomplish. Like, it didn't matter what their role was. Right. There's a, a great Jay Wright co- uh, quote, the Villanova men's basketball coach, and I really value it. And he says, everybody's role is different, but everyone's status is the same. Yeah. And I think – that's super important on and on all the teams that I played on even here at URI I think it didn't matter if you're a starter a bench player or whoever like you know you you matter and you have a crucial part to the team and yeah like I think it goes back to relationships too I think people who are just positive and who just show up like you know like Meg and want to put in the work and want to be there are so important they're like the glue of the team 100% and and that's what you're going to remember. You're going to you're not going to really remember wins and losses. You're going to remember the relationships you've established and you know how how those people made you feel. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's huge and I felt that here at URI when I was playing and I and I felt that at Iona too and and it's just it's something really special when p- everyone can kind of appreciate that because again, everyone everyone's role is different, but 
you know, you're just as important whether, again, you're, you're playing all the time or you don't touch the court. Like, it's, yeah, it's, that's the beauty about sports is that, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, again, what your role is. It just, you know, it matters that, you know, you want to be there for the right reasons and you have the team's values and beliefs uh, at the forefront of what you're doing. And, and that, that's culture, too. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a really big on culture. And I think the teams with the strongest culture, gen- like, usually uh, have the most successful seasons. Yeah. So. And it's a fine line, too, because I think that you don't want to create an environment that's, like, super serious all the time and, mm-hmm. like, is really abrasive. But then you also can't be, like, super lackadaisical, anything goes. Yeah. And so finding that balance and that's... I think been really tough is like you want everyone to enjoy their experience and have fun and be happy, but then you also have to establish standards and call people out and it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And definitely. even, um, I mean, it crosses over. That's like the great thing about sports too, is it teaches us so much about like our real life and yeah. like setting boundaries and okay. Like what are we willing to accept and what's right. okay and what's not. And Hey, like, I don't, it's not that I don't think that you're trying. I'm just saying that like, and this goes for me too. I mean, if some, if I don't do my job, I don't do my job. It doesn't matter like what the circumstances were. So, um, yeah, I just wonder like, have you gotten, do you feel like you've established a good relationship with that? Or is it still difficult for you to like, um, kind of establish those boundaries, especially when you, you have to see that person every day. It's not like, a friend or something who's kind of in the distance and you can say like, Hey, like this is how I want to do things. It's somebody you have to see for three plus hours every single day. Yeah. I think, I think the hardest part about that. And I think, I think being a leader in general is, is difficult, but you're, you're never as a leader, you're never going to ask somebody to do something that, that you wouldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a huge part of it is, you know, I think, I think you have to make difficult and uncomfortable decisions sometimes, but I think your teammates will respect you more for, you know, holding them or, or yourself accountable yeah. because of it. And I think that that's, you know, again, if you're putting in the work and, you know, you're leaving no doubt that you're here for the right reasons and you have genuinely good intentions, um, I think that there's, there's, I have no, I don't have any issues with, with holding people accountable. Um, because I've just, I've learned to realize that, you know, you just have to make sure your intentions are in the right place and that everything that you're saying and doing is because you love the team and you genuinely want what's best for the team. And I think that, I think that that's the part that people have to remember on both sides. I think that you don't have to be this captain or whoever to, to say things and to, to set the standard and set the tone. I think anybody can do that. Um, and again, I think people are going to respect you more for it because again, you're, you're just doing what's best for the team and to yeah. put, to put everyone in a position to succeed the most. I think it's challenging. I don't think it's, I don't think it's an easy thing to do, but I think, you know, over, over the years of playing, I think I've kind of realized that again, it's, it's team first mentality. It's we over me. It's not, you know, it's not about you. My old, my old coach Pat always used to say that it's not about me. You know, it's it's about the people next to you. It's about, you know, the program as an entire entity. And I think that I think a lot of people forget that sometimes, you know, it's it's difficult because we all want to do certain things because 
you know, we think certain things, but I think it's it's important to recognize that, you know, if you're on a team, you got to make sacrifices. Yeah. And I think that it all kind of pans itself out. Like you might not be liked in the moment, but mm-hmm. then like a year or two later when things start to change, you're going to look back and be like, oh, like I get why they did that. Right. Like I had those moments looking back at, you know, our seniors in the past and being like, oh, OK, like I get why they reacted that way. You just have a greater sense of perspective after being somewhere for a longer period of time. And you're like, OK, that made sense. Like I got why they were pissed off about that. I get why they yelled at so and so. You know what I mean? Like it just sort of all starts to take place. And that was actually something I realized when I was in high school was like, I think that I definitely probably, as I still do sometimes, like can come off a little bit like harsh or intimidating depending on the situation. And um, I think it was because my my teammate Lauren and I, like we had been on the team since freshman year and like we knew we were capable of like winning a state championship and like that if we didn't, it would be like um, just not like a waste of potential, but just not living up to what we knew we, we could accomplish. And so I think our senior year, we just were like, take no prisoner, like probably a little bit too much on the harsh side of things. But like, to your point, like it was all out of love. And it was just because like, we knew we had something great and that like this team could accomplish so much. And it got, you know, I would butt heads with people like, and really good players. Like um, one of my good friends, Maddie, she plays at Purdue. Like, I'll never forget. We had this drill where it was like, if somebody didn't do something right, like from a process perspective, like whatever mm-hmm. you we could like take them out of the drill and get in and I just remember like we were like probably going back and forth like like ripping each other out of this drill because it was like we were probably like so annoyed with like the drill itself but that conflict and that like I don't know heightened whatever I think led to something greater where you just you find that happy medium where it's like you compete and you're butting heads and then you get to a point where you're like okay, like, you know, we're pushing each other and we're making each other better, like that iron sharpens iron thing. And then I remember we ended up winning. And then the next year, like, she told me, she's like, yeah, like you were like, you were such a great leader. Like you just had a way of like commanding the team. And um, it was like the biggest compliment because, you know, you're so insecure in the moment about is this being perceived the right way. But to your point, like if you have the right intentions, it all pans out like eventually and people sooner or later will come to see like where you were coming from right and also just being able to self-reflect first and you know in situations hold yourself accountable I think that's that's huge I've definitely had moments throughout my playing career where I've been like oh you know like I'm kind of I'm kind of being a little selfish here or I'm not working hard enough and you know I got to step it up so I think yeah having that self-awareness of like okay like before I look to somebody else let me look within first and make sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm pulling my weight you know before I'm trying to hold other people accountable yeah no for sure so with your with your career goals wanting to be an athletic director like what is your what's your perspective what's your take like what do you want to invoke when like in that position like what are your what are your goals and what do you hope to like instill in people from that level so for me I it's so interesting because I'm kind of going through a process now where I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to do right and I think it's so funny because it sounds like from the 10,000 foot level you're like yeah yeah like it sounds great and then you get in the nitty-gritty and it's like 
okay, like maybe this is like what I want to do. It's so interesting how right. when I came in, I was kinesiology and I was like, I guess I'm going to be like, I don't know, in sports med. Like I had no idea what I was doing. Oh yeah. I was a uh, high school. I wanted to be a high school chemistry teacher. That's <laughs> what I said. Okay. And then I went to my first, um, not student teaching, a tutoring session where I had to tutor kids and I hated it. Yeah. I just, I realized this isn't what I want to do. So as of today, Sunday, whatever date it is, I say I want to be an athletic director. But which, yeah. So and it's, it's ever changing. It could change. But honestly, for me, I just, I love sports and I loved my college athletics experience. Um, so I kind of want to, you know, give back to, you know, the people, the student athletes of the future. And also, like, throughout my career, I experienced things that, you know, maybe I didn't really agree with or didn't really think were fair especially being a female athlete. So I want to work to, you know, kind of lessen the gap and kind of, you know, make things more equal. Um, and also just, I don't know, I just, I love, again, I love college athletics and, and being around that environment. Um, I was really involved with uh, SAC, Student Athlete Advisory Committee. Uh, Gabby's pres here <laughs> at URI. And I was president at Iona. And I just that's why we uh, I remember when we like figured out we were living together. We're like, it's like the White House. It's the White House. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we with SAC, we did so many different initiatives with diversity and inclusion yeah. and uh, LGBTQ inclusion and and all those things. And just so many great initiatives that I think, you know, at the higher levels can be implemented and they're already starting to be implemented. So I kind of and even with. NIL now and you know athletes being able to profit off of off their name image and likeness like they're just so many yes if you'd like to sponsor the podcast you want to sponsor Gabby's podcast I'm allowed to now (laughs) um yeah I'm just just kidding I'm like I I did this sorry little sidetrack I got a DM from like some off-brand like ball trimmer like a manscaped kind of thing uh-huh. and i i just ignored it i was like there's no this is off brand for me like i cannot yeah. like promote this like, this isn't this is not it yeah um however like yeah. i mean athletic greens um liquid iv any of those hit me up i mean <laughs> i think gabby just inserted an advertisement right there <laughs> no i didn't say they were good i just said they could hit me up and then i would say that they were good but <laughs> anyway continue um no yeah but i think for me, I just, I see there's so much potential in college athletics and I just want to, I want to be a part of it going forward. And I think that there needs to be more women in, in leadership positions and athletics. Um, and yeah, so I just want to, I want to be one of those people. Yeah. I, I want to help people. And that's my thing is I, I always try to ask myself, like, how can I help? Like wherever I am, whether it's, you know, being on a team or, you know, just with friends, like, I just want to, I want to help people at the end of the day, and, and because, again, I had so many people along my athletic journey who helped me, so I just, I really want to give back yeah. to those people. That's a huge thing, and I've talked to different people in um, our athletic administration about, like, why do you do this? Like, what's your favorite part of the job? Because I'm kind of in the same boat, maybe a little bit behind you, where I'm, like, still, like, I don't know what I really want to yeah, do yet. Yeah. I have an idea, but I feel like light years away almost but um and that's the biggest thing is everybody's like well I want to pay it forward I had such a great experience and 
this cultivated me into the person that I am and I want to, you know, give that back and to to anybody who who, you know, comes along this path because you you that's like the incredible thing about like athletics and life in general is like you just meet so many people that you otherwise would have never known Mm -hmm. and people from all different walks of life all different backgrounds international students and some people it's like first generation college students are getting an opportunity they never thought they would and um yeah being able to to commit to that and promote like a positive inclusive environment that um sets people up for success i think is such a special thing right and also for me too i've had I've had some people tell me that, you know, oh, you shouldn't go into college athletics and, you know, try to answer their two cents. And, you know, I think all those people, you know, are, are, I hope coming from a good place, but that also kind of, you know, adds fuel to my fire and gives me motivation because I want to prove people wrong. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there are plenty of female athletic directors out there who have a family and are able to, you know, do things they want with their lives while also, you know, being in these leadership roles. Um, I think of, like, Heather Like at Pitt, uh, Sandy Barber at Penn State, who's just retiring. But, like, I I love hearing what they have to say because they've done it. They're on the other side. And so I I also have a lot of people who are super supportive and who say, like, oh, you'll you'll be great for that. But I think, think, yeah, just, again, I kind of have a chip on my shoulder with, with this whole process, similar to how I had when I was being recruited for volleyball. And so I definitely I, I want to see it through. Yeah, no, that's that's kind of the best feeling I think um, is having that slight opposition, but not so much that it's discouraging to the point where you're like, oh, okay, like we'll see about that. Right. And I think that it's um, it's also like never too late for literally anything. Like that's yeah. the, what I keep trying to remind myself because I'm like, okay, I have to be on this schedule or I have to be on this track or this like sort of linear path and like I think about I mean you hear stories all the time it's like well so and so didn't you know intend on doing this but then in their 40s it just kind of fell in their lap yeah like that was even um there's a movie director her name's like Ava DuVernay she's won like all sorts of accolades and done some really big movies um but she didn't start directing movies until she was in her 40s and it's like anytime you think that you're like on the right path, it's like anything can happen. Like it's never too late to do what you're passionate about. And I also think there's no shame in like a little bit of a grind. Like you might spend like 10 years in a nine to five that maybe you're not extremely passionate about, but it's what you need to find your way. And that's like something that I'm really fortunate um, to like watch my brothers kind of go through it before me, like being the youngest where like my oldest brother Jed he works in radio and now he's got like a pretty sweet gig like he's like the executive producer of this morning show in Tampa but like people don't see the whole process post-college that he went through to get there yeah um like my dad was telling me because he used to work at a radio station in Detroit like graveyard like just very not not like super luxurious lifestyle like morning radio shows ass crack of dawn like really rough and my dad's like he honestly could have made more money working at mcdonald's like he was just grinding like putting in the time getting the experience and you know now he's at a place where he has a little bit more freedom time-wise and financially to you know do things that he's passionate about but yeah it's like it it 
it could take a few years and like that's okay like there's no shame in that like that's like life was never supposed to be easy right and I, I have so much respect for people like your brother because again just you can't knock someone for being passionate about something and no. just you know doing what they love and I think that honestly that that trumps having more money sometimes or, oh, or sure. taking a job where it's easier for your schedule like it could be easier for your schedule and you could be making more money but if you're not happy and you're miserable what's the point yeah you know like what I I try to think about you know what's my purpose and I think that's like a very deep it's hard it's a very difficult you know ever-changing thing but you know I think it's important to to do things that excite you and almost kind of scare you a little bit yeah um because honestly you end up in you're gonna end up where you're supposed to be I'm, I'm really I really believe that and even if you find yourself in a situation where you're not necessarily happy the beauty of it is you can change you can you can do something different yeah so it's like nobody's holding a gun to your head telling you like you have to work yeah at I mean this hope place. not yeah. yeah right like <laughs> right I was like maybe like in Russia right now I don't know but um yeah definitely not not for us we're very fortunate in that way but um yeah I just think that and even like off of the purpose thing like I get lost in that sometimes of like what am I supposed to be doing? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you're just supposed to be doing the best that you can within your circumstances right now. Like, are you like, from my perspective, that's like, kind of what I try to remind myself of, because I'm like, oh, I'm not progressing fast enough. I'm not entering a new chapter quick enough. Right. I'm not on like, I didn't have the like, crazy competitive internship that somebody else maybe got or whatever it may be. But um, like, w purpose, and I think um like doesn't necessarily have anything to do with a destination like yeah. that's one thing um I was talking about in therapy is like the way my therapist put it was your values are like directions like on a compass and goals are like the mile markers so you never Ooh, like, like that you never get to a value it's just a direction like and that's something I struggle with where I'm like well I'm supposed to like be this person and it's like well that's just like the sort of guidelines to your life it, it's not like a final destination it's like yeah you can't I don't know if one of your values is like volleyball for example it's like you don't ever get to volleyball it's just something that you participate in and maybe you have goals along the way that help align with your values but yeah um, yeah it's just, it was just an interesting way to put it because I definitely get caught up in the deadline and like the fixated like here's where I should be thing right I even feel that way about honestly working out and mm -hmm. fitness I think a lot of people and I catch myself too thinking about end results and you're never really finished it's, it's right. a journey and and so yeah so it's interesting because I think a lot of people again myself included get caught up in that and it's like whoa like just just enjoy the process and just show up every day and, and do the best you can right yeah and it's like this idea that other people are looking at you or thinking about you or literally care at all. They don't. <laughs> like, what your progress is. They have no idea where you started. They have right. no idea where you're trying to go. It's like, you're just on your own timeline. And, um, yeah, I've been – I think that, for me, has, like, kind of led me to apologize a lot less. Like, I don't feel the need to apologize for – anything other than like you know obviously if I feel like I did something wrong and I'm like I need to be accountable for that 
but just in general I'm like I'm not gonna like apologize for I don't know like screwing up or like I'm not gonna apologize like in terms of my own personal like okay we put the pieces back together and we like start over the next day like kind of what we were talking about earlier like the sun rises again right right so um yeah just like living a little bit more unapologetically um I think has helped me become a lot more confident in my own skin and like in what I'm doing and that just trusting like I'll find a way like come hell or high water like I'll find a way I always do I always have like 21 almost 22 years in it and um yeah I don't know it's just like life's become so much more enjoyable I feel like since I just started not um caring about what other people thought about like how good at volleyball I was or how smart I was because I feel like then that's when you become like performative and you're almost robotic because you're like I have to be this thing that I've like shown people that I can be and if at any point I don't align with that then I'm like kidding myself or I'm like not as good as I thought I was right um yeah so I'm I'm over that (laughs) I'm glad I'm glad you are (laughs) well just like being insecure it's just such a waste of time yeah it's tough I mean I I definitely have insecurities we all do I mean but there yeah there are certain things where you just can't you just can't care because it's just going to consume you gosh yeah gonna consume you and then you also have to think about you know people who are making you feel less about yourself you know what are they going through like right. where hurt like, people hurt people exactly sure. so I that's the yeah. other thing I don't really take things too personally anymore um I, I try not to <laughs> yeah I try not to I mean there's sometimes of course like things get on my nerves and I'm like oh like why did why did so and so say that or yeah, whatever yeah. but like at the end of the day I'm just kind of like okay clearly like you're going through something or like not even like you're going through something but everyone has moments that don't showcase like the highest potential of their character it's like that doesn't mean that that you're a bad person it means I caught you on an off day or whatever um and I had a like a thing like that a few weeks ago where we had to do like these squat holds and practice and people were sitting too high up and like they were going to start the time over and so like I uh had said something to somebody I was like hey, like, get lower, get lower, like, you're too high, and um, she was like, no, I'm not, and, like, she kind of snapped at me, and then afterwards came up to me and was like, I'm, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to say that like that, like, I, I didn't mean to come off that way, and I was like, I hadn't even thought about it since it happened, like, but two years ago, I would have been like, are you kidding me, like, she's gonna talk to me like that, I don't know, like, yeah. I feel like I've just, um, yeah, just not taken... Like, I still, I think I still, I'm an emotional person, so I get attached to, like, certain situations, but, um, yeah, I definitely don't take things, like, to heart the way that I used to. I'm just kind of like, all right, that person has a place in my life for a certain reason. Right. Maybe it wasn't the initial, like, relationship I thought I was going to have with them, but, you know, you all serve a purpose in my life in some way, shape, or form. Definitely. Yeah. But, um, but anyway... We're we're making good progress. We've had uh, not a lot of lapses in in uh like losing train of thought. I feel like I I lose my train of thought a lot on these, and then you're just like stuck like stammering. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it's been good. How uh how has it been for? Well, and then I'm gonna lose my train of thought. Of course, that's all right. That's all right. That's we, all right. That's though. all right though. We keep it moving. We keep it moving. Um. What is your favorite part about living in Rhode Island or like what have you grown to appreciate since? Because I feel like 
I say all the time that I like take for granted living so close to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things that I'm like, I'll complain about. And then I'm like, well, like it's actually a pretty nice life I have out here. Like, I don't know. What's your favorite thing? Honestly, I kind of agree. I mean, the beach is just so close to yeah. everything, which is, if you go to another co- place where a college is, it's not like this. Like no. when I was at Iono, I mean, we were in New Rochelle, which is very much city-like. You're 20 minutes from the city. So I was surrounded by honking cars all the time yeah. and crazy people who hated being in traffic. <laughs> yeah. And then you come here and it's you're surrounded by the beach and it's very much so more rural uh, than what I'm used to. I didn't realize before I visited here that there was going to be so many farms around. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, being close to the beach is really nice just because I love, I mean, I know you're the same. I love going to watch the sunset. Yeah. You know, I try to, I try to go as much as I can. Um, sometimes, you know, it doesn't happen, but, but yeah, I think honestly just the beauty of this place that I didn't really know about before coming here because before committing to Rhode Island for volleyball, I had never been to Rhode Island. Yeah. I mean, COVID made it so tough for, yeah. for everybody. Yeah. And also for me here, the people. The Very especially, nice. yeah, gr- really nice people just in general in the public, which I'm yeah, not used to yeah. being from Long Island. Not that, hey. you know, yeah, like people want to talk to you here and and have a conversation about how your day's going. And then it's not really like that <laughs> in New York. Yeah. Um, which I love both sides of it because I have I, I think I'm very social. Um, I'm one of those people who if I. If you make eye contact with me, I'll probably say hi. Right. Depending upon where we are. Sometimes I do that like annoying little half smirk. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah, wave. the slight, of, yeah, very like white dad of me. But um, I also love like, yeah, how friendly people are around here because I don't know, like I'll feel like I'll just be talking to like, it's typical and it's a an older community too. Like um, a lot of people you know, they're retired, living, like, kind of in these beach communities, and um, it's just interesting because sometimes I feel like I'm just having this, like, I'm, like, nailing my stand-up comedy routine, like, talking to these people, because they just, like, I feel like they're just so, like, they love, like, the young people. Like, they also they love, love Rhode Island. Yes, people they love Rhode, Rhode Island. They love, Rhode love Island, um, which I think the college great. students. There's, like, a select group that get really, like, um, what's up? Hey, you can can talk and stuff like don't worry about it our uh our third roommate emily just walked in i'm filming an episode of the pod (laughs) recording an episode (laughs) i've done that so many times i know i've just walked in yeah and just tiptoeing but um yeah so like they just get so excited and there's like obviously a select group of people who like like those damn college kids or whatever they get upset about it but for the most part it's been like a really welcoming environment everyone's super super sweet and yeah yeah. even even the people at uri like i love i love the athletic department because even i mean thor who's our athletic director is just so nice yeah and just from the top down like there are just so many people who i'm like wow you're you're a great person and you're great to be around and you can tell that they really want like student athletes to succeed like they are always willing to like have that open door policy and provide opportunities and insight like any way that they can which I think is really refreshing because it doesn't feel like I don't know obviously they still have like their kind of big top level priorities Mm -hmm. but you don't feel like you're just kind of a pawn like in this bigger thing it's like they they actually do care about um 
what what your future entails and they want you to look back on your experience here and have fond memories right exactly and even just the amount of people who are just willing to help you yeah it's just so nice like even I've when we were talking about my schedule earlier in the pod, I forgot to mention that I like to work out, obviously, and go. I forgot to mention that I'm <laughs> huge. <laughs> and so, yeah, so, like, I, I go work out in, in the varsity weight room still, even though I'm not an athlete anymore, technically. Yeah. And, like, I think about, you know, Scott, who's a yeah. strength and conditioning coach. He doesn't have to let me do that. Right. But, um, but like, the whole staff is just so welcoming and so nice and, and I just love that environment of like, you know, you're there to, to get better and to get work done. And, and it's great because like I think even being on the opposite side of not being an athlete anymore, I still, when I go there, I feel like I'm an athlete because yeah. it's, you're constantly being pushed, which is, which is so nice. Yeah. No, that's key. I feel like, and not that, you know, our staff hasn't been great in years past, but I feel like they definitely are elevating like the level of athletics right now. Like there's just really good people. Um, I mean, even seeing like what Tammy Rice has done with yeah. like women's basketball. I mean, she just signed what like a ten year deal um, as head coach, and like seeing just not only like her demeanor and her mentality. Like I watch all of their post game like press conferences and whatnot because just hearing her insight is like crazy. I mean, she just has such a great outlook on like teamwork and life and kind of what what it means to be like a close-knit championship team I just like get so excited when when I like see people like that coming in or like even um like our uh like Scott like just how passionate he is and how much he wants people to succeed and seeing also like what he's doing with social media and hyping up sports that maybe don't necessarily get a lot of attention. Like, you know, that's not something that I've seen before from a head strength coach is like, shout out to Scott. (laughs) I know. Um, Not something that I've seen before where it's like, you know, you're posting like kind of hype videos for volleyball and tennis and football and everybody. And um, I think it's really, you can see the shift even in like SAC, like, way more football players are coming and like you see people that have maybe never been to a meeting before um starting to get involved because I don't know it just feels more interconnected yeah no it's really it's really cool because this place is special in that I think no matter what team you're on or who you're affiliated with you feel like you're just as important as like the team next to you and I think that at a lot of other schools, it's not necessarily like that. Like, yeah. usually it's just, you know, the basketball, the football who, you know, feels the most important because they're revenue-generating sports. But I think, you know, when I was on the volleyball team here, I, I really felt so much support from administration mm-hmm. and just throughout the entire athletic department. And that's so crucial as a student-athlete, You want to feel supported. Yeah, you want to feel supported. You want to feel like you're at a place where they have your best interests and – if you need help with something, you're going to receive it, or at least, you know, they're going to try to help you out. So it's definitely something that I appreciate about about being here. Yeah. What's the best piece of advice that you've received, or what's, like, something that you try to, um, like, live out every day? <laughs> That's a tough question. Probably. Or, or just, yeah, something you try to live by, or, like, that you, you value. I think – for me, and this is something that you actually say a decent amount, but <laughs> I've heard it before too. Um, like how you do anything is how you do everything. Yeah. And I just think 
that's super important for me because I just try to, no matter what I'm doing, I'm really big on work ethic and, you know, giving 100% with whatever you're doing. And so... And your 100% on one day maybe isn't the same as your 100% on another day, too. It's like, it's circumstantial, but did you, yeah, did you do what you could? Right, like showing up and and giving your best and, and just being committed to whatever you're doing. So that's really big, big for me, just because I think no matter what you're doing and what the task is, big or small, I think it just shows a lot about you as a person. Um, and I think those are the best people to be around. Those who you know are going to like give their all at any point, no matter what it is, whether it's a simple little task or a really big task, they're just going to remain consistent. So for me, I mean, that's been with volleyball and now just moving on to another chapter of my life. Just, you know, I want to like right now as a grad assistant, I want to do the best that I can like for you guys, like to help the program and just kind of, you know, progress us forward to becoming a championship team yeah. like so yeah so I think I think that is kind of something that I try to live by every day e- even just as as a person too with friendships and you know relationships I think it's super important to you know always kind of approach it with this this mindset of you know I'm gonna give a hundred percent to this and just really make sure that I'm committed to it well and it's like it's an internal thing because not everyone's going to know yeah. what, what your 100% mm-hmm. is. But, um, like, I had a situation over the the summer with my internship where we would, at the end of the season, we would get, like, action shots of the players and they would sign them and, like, give them to their host families, um, like, as a thank you. Right. And... Like, I went to, I think it was, like, Marshall's, and I, I spent, like, a lot, of, it was my own money. Like, I spent, like, over $200, like, getting these, like, really pretty, like, 9 by 9 like, matted, like, gallery frames, like, for these pictures. Because I wanted it to be something they could, like, hang up and, yeah, like, yeah. Or whatever. And I went to the, the office, and my boss was like, I thought you were going to get, like, um... I don't know, like, the, just the regular, like, 8 by 10 whatever frames yeah, yeah. from, like, Dollar Tree or whatever. And I was, like, I, I said the same thing. I was, like, these people have been hosting, like, these probably, like, annoying, like, young college guys for, like, three months. Like, they deserve more than, like, a Dollar Tree frame. Like, and I used the same thing. I was, like, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Like, if this is really, like, the message you're trying to send, like, let's make it feel really, like, sleek and special or whatever. And then it's, like they probably didn't would have appreciated like a regular frame just as much it didn't that wasn't the point it was just kind of like I don't know when you go the extra mile it's like you I think can like sit back at the end of the day and be like yeah like I feel good about what I put forward because that's like the worst feeling is when you feel like you could have left more out there yeah you could have which like I mean it's a picture frame like it's not that deep but like but still it goes like on the court it goes in like life like you just don't want to walk away from something being like oh, like, I had a good idea, and I didn't execute it how yep. I wanted to. And I didn't I, give it my all. Yeah, and I remember we had a conversation the day before the Fordham game when we played at home, and that was potentially, and it ended up being our last game of the season. I remember saying to you, like, I, I was nervous about, you know, my college career ending and just was kind of feeling uneasy about it, and you gave me great advice. You were like, hey, like, I think, you know – if you go out tomorrow and you give it your all, you can step away knowing that, you know, you kind of left everything out there. And I think that 
that's super important with with anything in yeah. life and that definitely helped me because I, I felt that way after that game even though we ended up losing right but, but you you can like close that chapter knowing like I did all I could yep. like even if it's not the result you want and a lot of times it might not be yeah. like that's yeah. the really difficult part is like you can give your all and it can still not be enough but it's knowing that you gave your all exactly like that's the the crucial part but anyway is there anything else you wanted to talk about I feel like we could we could wrap it up or we could keep bowling but it's tough it's tough to talk for like a long time yeah I'm just trying to think as- of like about like deep topics I know I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of like fun. I know that's the hardest part that's what I'm really bad at with these is like I get into like the really mentality yeah, yeah. whatever stuff and then I forget to ask about like what's your favorite show, favorite show? <laughs> yeah which, you know which is impossible with me how about um what's your go-to like you're in an uber and you have to break the awkward silence like what do you go with what's your favorite phrase a hundred percent has it been busy today yep have you been driving a lot yeah <laughs> doing a lot of rides this time this time of night yeah, <laughs> yeah. um yeah no that one's good uh, you could tell right away if the driver wants to talk to you or they're just trying to drop you off oh yeah no for sure i've been in some chatty ubers like I remember there was one my sophomore year where it was like he started talking about like alien abductions and got like really it was a little bit like all right I'd like to go back to my dorm now please like yeah it was it was a little bit much but yeah the are you busy tonight and I try to fight it every single time I'm like don't say it oh my god don't say it and then it's just painfully awkward silence yeah and I have to break it it's like really it's a lot but um what uh what has been because like COVID's like it's a thing still but it's not really a thing anymore does it do you feel like what's your biggest since the masks have come off like do you feel like has your social interaction have your social interactions changed at all like I know for me one thing is I I realized I was doing weird stuff with my mouth like under my mask oh really like I'd be like biting my lip or like just kind of like I don't know like yeah and so um or like even like smiling when you walk by somebody like oh yeah I would just do like a like under the (laughs) mask like a little like no teeth smile and I realized like that's not that's not kosher anymore I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I've, the most exciting thing about the mask coming off, I think, is being able to socialize more yeah. and, and not having, I mean. Not be so, like. Right. And know, not being like, robotic. oh, I shouldn't stand near this person. I mean, obviously, you know, germs are still going to Well, that's be the spread, thing, because I, I just had bronchitis. <laughs> um, and, like, when they were doing, because they, they tested me for mono and whatnot, but when they were doing the test, they're like, yeah. Now that everyone's taking their masks off after, like, two years, we're kind of seeing the weakened immune systems that, you know, kind of came as a side effect of, of this whole thing, which is interesting. But I feel like, I feel like, yeah, I definitely, I was never a germaphobe, but um, since the pandemic, I feel like I just wash my hands more frequently. Like, when I wouldn't necessarily think to, like, yeah, it's like you obviously, like, when, when you go to the bathroom or, like, things like that it's like you wash your hands but um like there'd be times where it's like in the airport like I get a coffee like whatever and you're just like reading and touching your whatever and like I would never think to like okay I'm gonna go to the bathroom and wash my hands before I don't know like I get on this plane or whatever I mean to be honest I was a little bit of a germaphobe I mean not not terrible but I mean depends on who you talk to probably they're probably like oh 
Um, but yeah, I've always, I don't know, I've always been a big hand washer. Yeah. It's always been, it's always been my thing. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I am good about like hand sanitizer, keep that on me, but, but yeah, I mean, I'm just excited to, um, to not have to like worry about it at all. I feel like once you don't need to wear them on planes anymore, that'll be like, I think a key indicator of like where we're going. I think I might still wear it. Even post-COVID? Uh, on a plane? I don't know, because the more... COVID has kind of opened my eyes to how gross people are. And not yeah. that I'm not gross sometimes. We all are. But I don't know. Like, on subways, too, in New York mm. City, there are just some people where... I don't know. I, I'm I'm thankful I'm wearing my mask sometimes. Yeah. Just because... You just never know. You know, people are sneezing, coughing. Because I think, I think it's it'll eventually not be a thing uh not be required rather but i think people are still gonna do it yeah i don't think masks are ever gonna completely go away i mean i think that i mean just so much has like come out even since the pandemic about like what a mask really does and like just Mm -hmm. like people like building like knowledge about it and then you can kind of make that educated decision for yourself of like is this something i want to implement like long term or whatever but i mean right and I'm, I'm, no, I'm no scientist here. Right. I, no, me <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm a like, doctor. I'm very like, I'll do whatever, like, I got to do to get what I need to get done. Like, yeah. if I need to wear a mask to go on a plane, like, I'll wear a mask to go right, on a plane. Right. Like, I kind of don't care in that regard. But I would like to see a world without yeah. masks at some point. But I also, like, when I was living in Korea as a kid, um, like, people would wear masks all the time. Yeah. Like, on, yeah, like, on the subways and whatever. This was, like, 2008. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah that's just like a thing i think in in a lot of different cultures a lot of heavily populated cities at least so yeah i don't think that's gonna go anywhere but definitely uh i just it's so crazy like how fast two years just like blew by everybody too it's insane to think that like i two years ago yeah i mean i feel like i was a freshman and then i graduated and like covid happened in between yeah no that that is so true I mean, COVID was my junior year. Of college? Yeah, junior year of college. And I remember we got sent home for spring break early, and everyone was like, oh, extended spring break. Yep, yep. And then, psych. (laughs) Then, little did we know, we were going to be wiping down groceries. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yeah. I mean, everyone, yeah, it's so interesting. Everyone kind of had a different response. I know in the beginning, like, very early, like, February, kind of before it was a thing, I was very much like... Because it had started to come, we had, like, Chinese flagship students who were studying abroad who got sent home, mm-hmm. obviously, because it kind of originated, um, like, where they were studying. And um, I remember hearing stories about it, and they were, like, quarantining on campus and, like, not really thinking much of it because I was like, oh, it's only, like, three or four students that might have it. Like, they're quarantining. Like, it's probably not going to be that big of a deal. And then, like, lo and behold, a whole year just flew by yeah i remember for us uh at iona in new rochelle we had i think it was one of the first cases on the east coast east coast and uh it was that had to be like kind of scary oh well because we were the same way we we had heard about it this was like around i guess february march early march and so we were all just talking about it and didn't really know what was happening and then i just remember new york released this containment zone thing where they basically drew on a map a circle and it was like if you were in this containment zone 
you had to stay home in quarantine and then if you were outside you were okay it, but it's like so borderline it, it's like oh, you're iona, on the, iona the cusp was, of it iona was on the border just outside and so in our heads we're like oh we're in the clear yeah <laughs> and, then, and it's like it's so like relative yeah and then obviously you know what what ended up happening when you were sent home and uh and all that stuff but i just thinking back to it there's just so many things we didn't know yeah and uh yeah, I think back to the containment zone. It reminded me of the uh, the Simpsons movie. Have you seen it? Where they put with the, the bubble. Where they put the bubble. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's so funny. Um, I gotta watch the Simpsons movie again. It's been a while. Yeah, it's a it's a funny one. It's just a good like, I don't know, comfort comfort food movie. Um, what are you excited most excited about for the summer? Are you going back to, uh, Long Island? Yeah, I'm going back home. Uh, I'll be I'll be home for a little bit, and then I'll come back to Rhode Island for some volleyball camps. But I, oh, yeah. I'm excited. I love Long Island summers. Yeah, because um, I live 15 minutes from the beach, so a lot of beach days, backyard barbecues. Yeah, love and, summertime. Yeah, I just love the vibes, and so yeah, I'll see family, friends, my dog. Yeah, so gotta see the pups. I feel like Happy. summer is just such a great reset. I yep. feel like everyone's peak peak at their summertime like i don't not that like i mean obviously you can be sad in the summertime but like there's just so much to to appreciate obviously like the weather is nice and i know that's like a thing too is like the happiest states are usually ones that are sunnier like it's like a scientific thing like vitamin d and serotonin and all that but um but yeah it's just interesting that like summer just really puts everybody in their bag like yeah. Everybody's just thriving in the summertime. Yeah, I agree. People are in better moods. There's, yeah, it, it's so funny because I keep saying it's so funny. It's not that funny. I, I used to say um, when I was in, like, third and fourth grade, my friend's mom used to, like, make fun of me because I'd go, that's so random. <laughs> like, but I would say it, like, all the time. It's like a tick almost. I'd be like, that's so random. <laughs> <laughs> that's so random. But yeah, you, that's so funny. I forgot what I was gonna say. Summertime, to summertime sadness. No, gives me <laughs> Lana Del Rey. You go. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I forgot. Um, <laughs> I I think I said this in the locker room the other day, but it's interesting, like with TikTok and stuff, because we're all sort of like getting like ticks. Like when you just like I do this all the time, where an audio will be stuck in my head and I'll just like blurt it out like mid conversation or <laughs> yeah, something. And yeah. I'm like, th- we're like literally the living guinea pigs of this digital social experiment because our brain has been complete. Our brain chemistry is going to be completely altered from like TikTok and social media. It's crazy. Right. And people, people's attention spans are diminishing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, um, we were joking about it because one of our teammates was like that audio where it's the guys, uh, they're like in a band and they're like, I am sitting in the yeah, diner yeah. or whatever. And the guy's like, how do you feel it all the way? <laughs> like we couldn't stop singing that. And it was just so aggressive. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to be, our kids are going to be like really messed up. <laughs> Yeah, there's gonna be holograms. I think, by but that but point. then it's like I think we're also learning so much that I'm like, I don't think I'm gonna let my kids touch technology because I'm like I just know how, how negative it can be for like uh, me as an adult. Like, let alone I mean you see all the time like iPad kids like 
just can't yeah no, yeah it was no, i was never mind. an ipad kid me neither it was like bikes on the front lawn just go outside we're playing manhunt can uh, can jamie come out to play today Oh, yeah, going up to... Landlines. Knocking on people's doors. Yeah, calling the landline. From the school directory, you would yep. look up your friend's landline phone number. Yep. Is Gabby available to play? I used to, like... <laughs> I think I literally, at one point, like, yeah, I would use the phone book to, like, find my... Yeah. Like, a, what is it, yellow pages, white pages? Yeah, yeah, I think I think yellow pages, yeah. I would, yeah, my, I would ask my mom, hey, can I go down the block to ask so-and-so if they can hang out? And then you would go, and then if they weren't, able to play it'd be so depressing be like oh okay all right that's fine i'll just play by myself <laughs> i know right um yeah no i'm so glad i i grew up in the time that i did and like we still had technology like i remember when we got a wii for christmas um also like when everyone was like obese for like the wii fit oh the wii fit board? i think <laughs> yeah. i was it's <laughs> like i was like i don't know if this is just like a joke but i'm like and granted, like, I had, like, my chubby, like, childhood moments for sure, but literally I felt like anyone and everyone that stepped on that board was obese. And it would guess your age, and I think – It was, like, 39. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're 42. I'm, like, oh 10 gosh. years old. And you had to configure the board and do, like, a weird little awkward, yeah. like, march on it. Um, but, yeah, the we days. had the Wii, um, Nintendo DS – yeah, I, I never had a DS. Really? No. I got a. I had a pink Nintendo DS. I think I still have it somewhere. Um, I would love to play Nintendogs again. That <laughs> was like my thing. I but would always. Uh, I would steal my brother's Game Boy. Oh yeah. Get a Game Boy. That was a big thing. When you had to like clear out the dust on the. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. That thing was heating up. <laughs> yeah. That's how I feel about my laptop sometimes. Like I'll be sitting like in class and it's like. Mm, yeah. my, mine does the same and i think it's definitely on the way out and i, I mean i've had mine since i mean we're going on like year five so same i think same, that's kind of like me. the they, that's what they say like every five years or so yeah you're supposed to get a new one that'll be the next the next big purchase what are you thinking are you like gonna keep on the apple trail or see i think i might switch that's how i feel as well i love like apple and all of the how synonymous everything works together but I'm telling you, I think the PC is going to be the new wave. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's also just, I think, more compatible with with different things. Yeah, like um, um, like applications-wise. Yeah, yeah, applications-wise. and Yeah, I don't know. I've just been frustrated with Apple lately, you know, mm-hmm. with my Mac. Yeah. I, uh, I just watched that Steve Jobs documentary. I'll go in, I mean, you know this, but I'll go into random deep dives, like deep Wikipedia dives. Like, where I'll hear a story about somebody, and then I'm like, did you know he had a daughter that he wouldn't acknowledge? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just go, or, like, when we were watching the animal docuseries thing, I was like, did you know there's six different types of bears? Yeah. And yeah. polar bear fur is not even white, apparently. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I love a fun fact. I live for a fun fact. Learn something new every day. Every day. Gotta have that growth mindset. I also love, like, um, using, like, mentality terms like in situations where it like doesn't really apply yep where i'm like i don't know like dinner doesn't go how i wanted it to i have a growth mindset (laughs) you know what i mean just like anything like that yeah exactly (laughs) or um we were talking about this the uh the phrase that could have been an email yep i love that phrase it it does it for me every time (laughs) i i still have yet to use it in social circumstances i need to to whip it out (laughs) just like I have a bad practice. Mm, that could have been, been an email. That could have been an email. 
But anyway, I won't I won't keep you. I know that it's uh, a Sunday reset day. Sunday reset day. Crucial. Oh, this is great though. Thanks, yeah. thanks for having me on. Absolutely. This was a blast. I feel like every time I have someone on too, I'm always like, part two? You want to do a part yeah. two coming up episode? Um, but yeah, no, it's been great. It's been great. And uh, the roomie finally on the pod. That's right. I'm glad. Glad we were able to yeah. see it through. Fulfilled. Alrighty. Peace. <laughs>